Okay, boys. Another day. Uh, yesterday's story was long, huh? Well, today, we get to read about payday. Two weeks had gone by, and now Pa worked every evening after supper in his little office at the back of the store. He was making out time checks. From the time book, he counted up the days each man had worked and figured out how much he had earned. Then Pa figured up how much the man owed the store. To that, he added the man's board bill at the cook shanty. He subtracted that amount from the man's wages and made out his time check. On payday, Pa would give each man his time check and the money due to him. Always before, Laura had helped Pa with his work. When she was very little in the big woods, she had helped him make the bullets for his gun in the Indian Territory. She had helped him finish the house, and at Plum Creek she had helped with the chores and the haying. But she could not help him now, for Pa said that the railroad company would not want anyone but him to work in the office. Still, she always knew that what he was doing for the store what he was doing for the store was in plain sight from the shanty doorway, and she saw everyone come and went. One morning she saw a fast team come dashing up to the store's door. The man in fine clothes got out of the buggy and hurried into the store. Two more men waited in the buggy, watching the door and looking around them on every side as if they were afraid. In a little while, the first man came out and got in the buggy. After an, another look, look around, they drove away quickly. Laura ran out of the shanty towards the store. She was sure that something had happened there. Her heart was beating wildly, and it gave a great flop when she saw Pa, safe and sound, come out of the store. Where are you going, Laura? Sorry, where are you going, Laura? Ma called after her. Now Laura answered, Nowhere, Ma. Pa came into the shanty and swung the door shut behind him. He took a heavy canvas bag out of his pocket. I want you to take care of this, Caroline, he said. It's the men's pay. Anyone that tried, tried to steal it would come to the office. I'll take care of it, Charles, Ma said. She wrapped the bag in a clean cloth and worked it deep into her own sack of flour. Nobody will ever think to look for it there. Did that mean uh, that? Did that man bring it, Pa? Laura asked. Yes, that was the paymaster, said Pa. Those men with him were afraid, Laura said. Oh, I wouldn't say that. They were only guarding the paymaster to keep him from being robbed, Pa said. He's carrying good many thousand dollars in cash to pay all the men in the camps and somebody might try to get it. But those men had guns enough on them in the buggy. They had no need to be afraid. As Pa went back to the store, Laura saw the handful of it, handle of his revolver showing from his hip pocket. She knew he was not afraid, and she looked at his rifle over the door and, and his shotgun standing in the corner. Ma could use those guns. There was no fear that robbers could get the money. That night, Laura woke up often and often heard Pa stirring too, in the bunk on the other side of the curtain. The night seemed darker 
and full of strange sounds because of that money in the flour sack, but no one would think of looking for it there, and no one did. Early in the morning, Pa took it to the store. This was payday. After breakfast, all the men gathered round the store, and one by one they went inside. One by one they came out again and stood in little groups talking. They would not work that day. It was payday. At supper, Pa said he must go back to the office again. Some of the men don't seem to understand why they only got two weeks' pay, Pa said. Why don't they get paid for the whole month? Laura asked him. Well, you see, Laura, it takes time to make out all those time checks and send them in, and then the paymaster has to bring out the money. I'm paying the men the wages now up to the 15th, and in another two weeks I'll pay them up to now. Some of them can't get it through their thick heads that they've got to wait two weeks for their pay. They want to get paid right up to yesterday. Don't fret about it, Charles Ma said. You can't expect them to understand how business is handled. And they don't blame you, do they? Do they, Pa? said Mary. That's the worst of it, Mary. I don't know, Pa answered. Anyway, I've got some book work to do at the office. The supper dishes were soon washed, and Ma sat rocking Grace to sleep, with Carrie snuggled beside her. Laura sat beside Mary in the doorway, watching the light fade from the waters of the lake. She was seeing it out loud for Mary. The last light is shining pale in the middle of the smooth lake. All around the water is dusky, where the ducks sleep and the land <clears throat> is black beyond. The stars are beginning to twinkle in the gray sky. Pa has lighted his lamp. It shines out yellow from the back of the black store. Ma, she cried out, there's a big crowd of men. Look! The men were crowding around the store. They did not say anything, and there was not even any sound of their feet on the grass. Only the dark mass of men was growing larger very fast. Ma rose quickly and laid Grace on the bed. Then she came and looked over Laura's head and Mary's. She spoke softly, come inside, girls. When they obeyed her, she shut the door, all but a crack. She stood looking through the crack. Mary sat in the chair with Carrie, but Laura peeped under Ma's arm. The crowd was close around the store, and two men went up the step and pounded on the door. The crowd was quiet. The whole dusky twilight was quiet for a moment. Then the men pounded again on the door, and one one called, Open the door, Ingalls. The door opened, and there in the lamplight stood Paul. He shut the door behind him, and the two men who had had knocked stepped backward into the crowd. Paul stood up on the step with his hands in his pockets. Well, boys, what is it? He said. He asked them quietly. A voice came from the crowd. We want our pay. Other voices shouted, Our full pay. Come across with the two weeks pay you kept back. We're going to get our pay. You'll have you'll have it in two weeks from now, just as soon as I can get your time checks made out. The voices shouted again, We want it now. Quit stealing. Or quit stalling. We're going to have it now. I can't pay you now, boys, Pa said. I won't have the money till 
to pay you till the paymaster comes again. Open up the store, somebody answered. Then the whole crowd yelled, That's it! That's good enough! Open up the store! Open the store! No, boys, I won't do that, Paul said coolly. Come in tomorrow morning, and I'll let each man have all the goods he wants on his account. Open up the store, or we'll open it for you, came a shout. A growl rumbled from the crowd, and the whole mass of men moved in toward Pa, as if that growl moved them. Laura ducked under Ma's arm, but Ma, Ma's hand clenched on her shoulder and pulled her back. Oh, let me go, they'll hurt Pa! Let me go, they'll hurt Pa! Laura screamed in a whisper. Be still, Ma told her in a voice Laura had never heard before. Stand back, boys. Don't crowd too close. Pa said. Laura heard his cold voice and stood trembling. Then she heard another voice behind the crowd. It was deep and strong, not loud, but plainly heard. What's up, boys? In the dark, Laura could not see the red shirt, but only Big Jerry was so tall. He stood head and shoulders above the shadowy figures of the crowd. Beyond them in the dusk was a pale white horse. Uh, was a pale blur that could that would be the white horse. A confusion of voices answered Big Jerry. Then he laughed. His his laugh was big and booming. You fools! Big Jerry laughed. What's the fuss about? You want the goods out of the store? Well, tomorrow we'll take what we want of them. They'll sit. There. They'll still be there. No, nobody'll stop us when we get started. Laura was hearing the rough language. Big Jerry was using it. What he said was all mixed with swear words and with other words she had never heard. She hardly heard them now, because she felt all broken up. She felt as if everything was smashed like, like a drop plate when Jerry took sides against Pa. The crowd was all around Big Jerry now. He was calling some of the men by their names, and talking to them about drinking and playing cards. Some of the crowd went with him toward the bunkhouse. Then the rest of it broke into smaller pieces and scattered away in, in the dark. Ma shut the door. Bedtime, girls, she said. Laura went trembling to bed, as Ma told her to do. Pa did, did not come. Now and then she heard an outbreak of loud, rough voices, from the camp and sometimes singing, she knew she would not sleep till Pa came. Then her eyes opened suddenly. It was morning. Beyond Silver Lake the sky was burning gold, and one line of red cloud lay across it. The lake was rosy, and the wild birds flew up clamoring. The camp was noisy, too. All around the board shanty men were gathering in, milling, in a milling crowd, talking excitedly. Ma and Laura stood outdoors at the corner of the shanty, watching. They heard a shout and saw Big Jerry jump onto his white horse. Come on, boys, he shouted. All aboard for the fun. The white horse reared and whirled and reared again. Big Jerry gave a wild whoop and the wild horse broke into a run. And away they went, over the prairie towards the west. All the men rushed to their stable and in a minute... 
and in a minute man after man was on his horse following Big Jerry. The whole crowd went streaming away on their horses and was gone. A great cool quietness came over the camp and over Laura and Ma. Well, Ma said. They saw Pa walking from the store toward the big shanty. Fred, the foreman, came out, came out of it and met him. They talked a minute, then Fred went to the stable, got on his horse, and galloped away to the west. Pa was chuckling. Ma said she did not know what there was to laugh about. That big Jerry, Pa laughed, rang out. My gum, if he didn't lead them all the way to their devilment somewhere else. Where? Ma said sharply. Pa was sober then. There's a riot in Stebbins' camp. Everybody flocking there from all the camps. You're right, Caroline. It's no laughing matter. All day the camp was quiet. Laura and Mary did not go for their walk. There was no telling what might happen at the Stebbins camp, nor when that dangerous crowd would come back. Ma's eyes were anxious all day. Her lips were tight, and now and then she sighed without knowing it. After dark, the men came, but they rode into camp more quietly than they had left it. They ate their supper at the boarding shanty and then went to bed in the bunkhouse. Laura and Mary were still awake when Pa came late from the store. They lay quiet in their bunk and heard Pa and Ma talking beyond the lamplight curtain. Nothing to worry about now, Caroline, Pa said. They're tired out and everything's quiet. He yawned and sat down to take off his boots. What did they do, Charles? Was anybody hurt? They strung up the paymaster, and Pa said, and one man was hurt bad. But they put him in a lumber wagon and st started back east with him to find a doctor. Didn't get so, don't get so upset, Caroline. We better thank our stars. We got off easy. That's all. I don't, I don't get upset till it's over. Said Ma. Her voice was shaking. Come here, said Pa. Laura knew that Ma was now sitting on Pa's knee. There, I know you don't. He said to her, "Never mind, Caroline. That the grading's pretty near done." These camps will be closing down and gone before long, and next summer we'll be settled on the homestead. When are you picking out, uh, picking it out? Ma said, "Quick as the camps close. I don't have a minute away. I don't have a minute away from the store till then," said Pa. "You know that. Yes, I know, Charles. What did they do about the men that that killed the paymaster? They didn't kill him," Pa said. It was this way. You see, it's the same at Streben's camp as here. The office is a lean-to at the back of the store, and it has one door into the store, and that's all. The paymaster stayed in the office with the money and kept the door locked, and he paid the men through a little opening beside the, the door. Stebbins has got over 350 men drawing pay there, and they wanted their pay up to now like the men here wanted it. When they got paid only to the 15th, they acted ugly. Most of them wear guns, and they were in the store, threatening to shoot shoot up the place until they got their full pay. In the, in the melee, a couple of men got to quarreling, and one of them hit the other over the head with the 
weight of the scales, and he dropped like a struck ox, and when they dragged him into the air, they couldn't bring him back to his senses. So the crowd started out with a rope after the man that hit him, and they trailed him easy enough into the slough. And when they couldn't find him in the high grass, they threshed around looking after him through the <clears throat> slough grass, though the, through the, the slough grass, taller than their heads, till I guess they ruined any trail he'd left. They kept on hunting him till past noon, and lucky for him, they, they didn't find him. When they got back to the store, the door was locked, and they couldn't get in. Somebody had locked the hurt man into a wagon, had loaded the hurt man into the wagon, and headed back east for the doctor. By this time, the men were piling into the place from the other camps, and they ate everything they could get a hold of in the boarding shanty, and most of them were drinking. They kept pounding on the store door and yelling the paymaster to open up and pay them, but nobody answered. A crowd of near a thousand drunken men is ugly thing to deal with. Somebody caught sight of their rope and shouted, Hang the paymaster! And the whole crowd took it up and kept yelling, Hang him! Hang him! A couple of men got to the top of the lean-to roof and told a, whore, a hole in the shingles. And they left the end of the rope dangling over the edge of the roof. <clears throat> the end of the rope dangling over the edge of the roof, and the crowd grabbed a hold of it. And two fellows dropped down into the paymaster and got the noose round his neck. Stop, Charles! The girls are awake. Pshaw, that's all, all," said Ma. Pshaw, that's all there is to it," said Pa. They hauled him up once or twice. And he gave in. They didn't hang him. Not enough to hurt him much. Most, some of the crowd was breaking down the store door with, with uh, neck yokes, and the store master opened it. And one of the fellows in the office cut the rope and let the paymaster down and opened up the pay window, and the paymaster paid every man what he claimed was due him. A good many men from other camps crowded in and drew, drew pay too. And there wasn't any bothering with time checks. Shame on him, Laura cried out. Pa drew back the curtain. What did he do it for? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, she went on. Before Pa and Ma could say a word, there she was sitting on the knee, on her knees in the bed, her fists clenched. You wouldn't what, Pa said. Pay them. They couldn't make me. They didn't make you. The mob was bigger than ours, and the paymaster didn't have... A big Jerry to help him. But you wouldn't have, Pa, Laura said. Shh, Ma hushed them. You'll wake Grace. I'm thankful the paymaster was sensible. Better the live dog than a dead lion. Oh, no, Ma, you don't mean that, Laura whispered. Anyway, discretion is better than part of, is the better part of valor. You girls go to sleep, Ma murmured. Please, Ma, Mary whispered. How could he pay them? Where did he get the money? And when did he already pay out what he had? And so, where did he? Ma asked him. From the store. That's a big store, and it had already taken in most of what the men had been paid, and they spent as fast as they get, said Pa. Now mind your Ma, girls, and go to sleep. Let the curtain fall. 
He, very softly under the quilt, Mary and Laura talked until Ma blew out the lamp. Mary said she wanted to go back to Plum Creek. Laura did not answer that. She liked the feel of the great wild prairie all around the little shanty. Her heart beat strong and fast. She could hear in her in her mind the savage, fierce sound of the crowd's growl and Pa's cold voice saying, Don't crowd too close. She remembered the sweat, sweating men and sweating horses moving strongly through the clouds of dust, building the railroad in a kind of song. She did not want ever to go back to Plum Creek. Wow, that was close, huh? Good thing. Good thing Big Jerry was there. The next chapter is called Wings Over Silver Lake. Good night, boys. Love you.